Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And, and as everybody is finding a Bible, maybe find it on your phone, I hope you also find uh, a place to take notes. A short pencil is better than a long memory. And let me just tell you, uh, nerds are great note takers, and they rule the world. Uh, I, I knew a lot of young people when I was going through high school. I'm like, man, taking notes is for geeks, man. I don't do that. Now they own everything. Uh, and run everything. And let me just tell you, yeah, take good notes, especially where would we be? Let me just tell you, those who are new to things of God, where would we be if nobody wrote anything God told them down? Where would we be? Uh, let me tell you, some of the things that God's going to show to you is going to transform not only your life, but I believe one day you're going to hand down that notebook, that journal to your kids, your grandkids. Some of you young couples in here, I want you to understand, you are going to pass something down that's much greater than money. You're going to pass down wisdom. You're going to pass down inspiration. Uh, my wife and I, we were at a, uh, a memorial service uh, this uh, or yesterday. We were there yesterday. Her uncle passed away. Uh, a few weeks ago, my uncle passed away, and her uncle passed away just a couple days ago. So we went down to see the memorial in Prescott. And while we were down there, uh, her, uh, the, her, uh, the aunt, her, his wife, opened up a little notebook and had all of his quotes. He was a, he was a pastor for, for all his life. And he and she just read every quote that he ever used to say, and she would just she just read them, read them, read them, read them. I'm telling you, you have more to pass down uh, than mere uh, titles, than mere uh, finances. Then you have so much more to impart uh, to those around you and to those coming from behind you. I'm telling you, you got something to offer. Turn your neighbor and say you got more to offer. Uh, you need to know that. You need to know that God has uh, something more for you. Uh, I wanted to give you this to start off today. Number one, uh, our title is Courageously Confident. I want you to write that down, Courageously Confident. And I want to talk to you about courage and confidence and boldness tonight. And I hope you leave here more than just hearing the words. I hope you hear, leave here with a spirit of confidence, a spirit of courageousness, a spirit of boldness in you. Let me give you this. When leaders lack confidence, followers lack commitment. When leaders, hear me now, write this down on the tablet of your heart. <laughs> and so that way you can run with it and share it with others. When leaders lack confidence, followers lack commitment. It reminds me of a story. Many of you are new here to Covenant Church, and I have a favorite story that I love to tell. Um, it's a very serious story. It's about courage. Uh, a long time ago, there was this captain. He was sitting in his quarters. He was studying, preparing. And lieutenant comes in on their ship, and the lieutenant comes into the captain's quarters on the ship as they're sailing, and he says, Lieutenant, he says, Captain, Captain, there are 10 enemy ships headed our way. He was like, stood up slowly, fetch me my red coat. Lieutenant was perplexed. What's with the red coat? We have 10 enemy ships headed our way. They're going to kill us. What are you thinking? So they go fetch my red coat. So he goes and gets the red coat, puts the red coat on him. They go out there. They win. They beat all 10 enemy ships, which is pretty incredible. He asks the captain later. He says, Captain, what was with the deal with the red coat? And he says, I, if I were to be shot in battle, I didn't want any of my men to lose courage by seeing me bleed. Pretty cool captain, huh? A little bit later, same kind of thing happens. Lieutenant comes running into the captain's quarters. He says, Captain, Captain, there are 20 enemy ships headed our way. 20. Captain slowly stands up. He says, Lieutenant, fetch me my brown pants. 
Some of y'all, that's a slow burn. You'll catch that later. One of my favorites. Very serious story. Very serious. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 is where we're starting and taking our text for today uh, and this series that I'm doing, Barriers to Bridges. This is the first book. Even these recordings are being uh, uh, written down and getting prepared to release this year for the first book of this series called Barriers to Bridges. And uh, I want to show you uh, how God is going to turn some of the very things that stand before you into very stepping stones in front of you. And teach you how to get to that place in your life where you watch these walls come down. You hear about it over and over. You hear Paul and Silas worshiping and all of a sudden the prison walls come down. You hear about these amazing things where the enemy tries to attack somebody. Somebody stands up and all of a sudden the enemy is decimated and God does an incredible work. Man, how many want to live a life like that where every time the enemy tries to stand before you and say, no, you can't. God says, yes, they can. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's what we're working towards tonight, and I, and I want you to get on board with this because you're not meant to live a life of defeat. Don't shake your head at the things of God and say, oh, not me. Don't scoff at God. God cannot be mocked. As a, as a man sows, a man reaps. When you're sowing on good soil with the Lord, God's going to reap a great harvest for you. God wants you to, God wants you to reap victory, but you've got to believe. You've you got to believe in it. So let me get start. It says right here uh, in verse 3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised. This is where we ended last week. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the west, and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Somebody make that your life verse. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. How many have heard this scripture before? Or forsake you. Be strong. Be strong. Somebody say strong. strong. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Then he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. How many remember me teaching about why the Lord repeats something? When the Lord repeats something in Scripture, it's not because God wants to be more poetic or he has a stuttering problem with the writer. It's because he's declaring it twice because he's the God of second chances. That's literal, the, the, the literal meaning of when he repeats the Lord, the Lord, or he, when he repeats, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Why? Because sometimes the first time he tells you, oh, be strong and courageous, we're like, ah. and we, we, we give up or we, we're fearful or we... And the Lord says it again, don't worry, I'm still with you. I'm, how many are thankful for second chances and 100 chances and 2,000 chances? Right? We're thankful for that because every time the enemy tries to say, nope, not you, nope, not you, nope, no, and try to bring all that discouragement, God says, don't worry, I'm still with you. Then he says this. He says, be careful to obey all the law my, Mo, uh, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. This is huge. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Did you know that God doesn't want you to fall into the ditch on either side? On either extreme, God wants you to ride right in the middle. It's called moderation. Jesus taught it all, almost his whole life. Moderation. Moderation. He said, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, because he wants you to stay on that path. He wants you to stay right down the middle. And then he says that you may, this is a huge verse, this is a huge piece, that you may be successful wherever you go. Did you know that God is passionately, passionately consumed with your success? That you may be successful wherever you go. 
How many want to live that life? Everywhere I go, sweet. I, I, we could do anything. Let's start something. Let's launch a business. Let's do this. If you, if you could have the guarantee that you knew everything you set out to do would, would be successful, what would you be doing right now? Some of us may be living a whole different life. Some of us may be stepping out into a whole new business, stepping out into a whole new direction, stepping out into a relationship that we've been hesitant about, stepping out into marriage because we've been wondering if we are secure in our confidence and we're, we're wondering and we got all these. God wants to say, hey, you're going to be successful everything you do and everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. If we can tap into whatever God is teaching right here and start doing what he says, uh, we can live this principle. When I was uh, in Lake Havasu, my wife and I moved there right after Bible college. We got married. Uh, we moved out there, and we started a church with my father. When we started the church with him, uh, I, we had to be bivocational. So my first job, this is where I had applied this first principle here. Uh, uh, I, I became an electrician, and I was terrible at it. I got fired pretty quickly. <laughs> they were like, uh, come in here, young man. Hey, you're terrible. <laughs> I was like... All I do is dig ditches. How did I mess up digging a ditch? I was like, this is stupid. I don't know. I'd actually, I composed myself really well. And I, I was kind of, you know how you get like that smart aleck, kind of Christian smart aleck? I was like, that's okay. The Lord's got something better for me. You know, little Jesus juke on him. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about me. I'm good. <laughs> I went four months without a job. So <laughs> the Lord taught me some uh, humility. What happened is I got hired on as an athletic director uh, at a school. I, they didn't have an athletic program, right? I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? They said, build it. And so we, we built an athletic program, went from zero teams to 32 teams in five years. And we ended up, uh, every sport I started, Omar, every sport I started, every sport, every team, think about soccer, baseball, every team, every sport, boys and girls, every team we lost Tony, we lost every single game the first year. Every game. You talk about, hey, motivating a winning team? I'm like, please give me a winning team. I'll motivate. Motivating a losing team when everybody, you got grown boys on your bus that are 18 years old, 17 year old. Coach, this is just too rough. It was rough. We stuck with it. We stuck with it. Next year, we went 500 in almost every sport. Next year, we went undefeated in baseball. Next year, we went undefeated in baseball, won two back to back state championships. And let me tell you, I don't know a thing about baseball, but I started the baseball team. I, I knew we needed a baseball team. I knew Lake Havasu was known more for baseball than anything. So I said, we got to have a baseball team. I bet there's a lot of talent around here. Uh, we started the baseball team. I, I, I didn't even know. I was like, hey, guys, I was like, I'm, I'm athletic. I can figure this out. I'm like, here, this is how you bat, young men. Get up here. I'm putting them in like where the places I've seen. And then I was like, I got up there. I was like, just throw it in. Throw it in. I'm going to show you how to swing. You get a good open stance. I'm like, dude. <laughs> Some of you, you know baseball, you're like, this is terrible. I can see. I, I struck out. I, he threw the first one. I'm like, throw it again. Just throw it normal. Don't throw it all weird. Don't throw a side. Throw, throw it normal. Cl come closer. Throw it slower. Throw it slower. <laughs> Three times. Three times I struck out trying to teach him. That's why we lost every game. A <laughs> uh, parent was watching, and he said, hey, uh, looks like you need some help. 
And I said, yes, that, that would be awesome. He ended up coming onto the team. He ended up coaching us to state championships. He ended up going and coaching the professional. He ended up sending multiple players to professional level. Uh, look, the Lord, when you step out in confidence, God is going to equip you with everything you need. God's going to equip you with the people that you need. God's going to equip you with the resources that you need. But he's waiting on you to say, no, no, I don't know. He's waiting on your excuses to fade. He's waiting on your, your little reasons to fade. He's waiting on for you to say, okay, it's time to step out. It's time for me to stop saying, oh, well, I, 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 can't, I don't know anything. I can't do. How am I supposed to? How can we actually? I can't witness to anybody. I, I can't talk to people about Jesus. I can't invite them. When you drop your excuses, let me just tell you, your excuses are the barrier between you and your next promise. When you start dropping the fence of your excuses, you're going to start walking in the next field of your promises. But you've got to drop them. You've got to start saying, okay, God, uh, battles are won by those who charge the field, not by those who are still in the locker room. Not by those who are still kind of on the sidelines saying, like, oh, I'm kind of a part of that church. Do you know how many people I see around town uh, that tell me that? Hey, that's our pastor. I'm like, yeah. Come here, brother. See you on Christmas. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, I, it happens to me all, uh, there was a three, it happened to me today. It happened to me today. I, I didn't see him at church. And this one kid, he, you know how you make eye contact with somebody, but they don't want to let you know that they saw you and you saw them? And he had his hoodie on. He was like, it was right after first two services. I went and got lunch. He had his hoodie on. He was like, oh, and just kind of like kept his cool and walked the opposite way. Because he knew, he'd be, I'd be like, hey, dude, where were you? Missed you at church, man. Look, I'm telling you, we all have good excuses. Some of us actually have even reasons. But let me tell you, God's promises, God's blessing, God's next level for you is right on the other side of that. It's time to let go. It's time to stop making excuses. It's time to step out with confidence. You know, this phrase in here, I want to teach you a word that some of our men know. Uh, in Hebrew, when he says, uh, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, says it twice. It, it comes from a Hebrew word, kazak. In the Hebrew word, it's kazak. In the Greek, it's andrizomai. It means to step up. It means to play the man. Somebody say man up. Man up. Right? Has less to do with gender and more to do with your boldness and confidence. Has more to do with it's a declaration of boldness that the Lord speaks over Joshua. You know, he also says this over Gideon. Did you know David also said the same phrase over Solomon? When David was dying in his deathbed, he took the hand of Solomon. Could you imagine this? King David grabs his son's hand. He says, Listen, Solomon, whatever you do, andrizomai, play the man, step up, be bold, be strong, be courageous, be bold like we see Rahab do, be courageous like we see Esther and Mary and Peter and Paul. Look, when you talk about Peter, Acts chapter 2, the guy, Peter, how many know familiar with the Apostle Peter? The Apostle Peter, right, he denies Jesus three times, runs away. He's the one who Jesus had to look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. He was a dumb, and this is a fact, that he was a dumb, ignorant fisherman. He was not educated. He had all the excuses. He had all the reasons of why to quit. He ran away from Jerusalem to go back to fishing, and Jesus had to come get him. And even after he came and got, this was, he, now he brought him back the second time. And when he brought him back, he stood there and he said, look, 
Peter, you, you've got to do this. And he filled him with the Holy Spirit. And the one guy out of 120 people, I don't know how many people are here right now, but out of 120 people, the guy who shouldn't say a word, who was the ultimate failure in the group, he was the one who stood up with all boldness, with all courage, and in Drizomine, he squared his shoulders back and he declared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people added to the kingdom that moment. You talk about, come on, let's give God some praise. That's courage. I don't know enough. I'm not educated enough. I, I'm not talented enough. I, I don't come from a wealthy family. Look, we talked about that last week. You are created by God. You came through your parents, but you came from him. And you weren't just called to sit. You were called to go. You're called to conquer. You're called to overcome. I'm not here to build a church of losers. <laughs> And I say that with a smile and, and as friendly as I can be, but I told the same thing to the, my players. I'm not here to keep losing every year. We are going to figure this out. Even if you don't, can't play like an athlete, I'm going to dress you and make you look like you look like an athlete. <laughs> Some of us just need to fake it till we make it, just like the brown pants. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> when are we going to step up? When are we going to start saying, okay, God? I'm going to stop being so passive in my life. I'm going to stop being so flaky, so inconsistent. I'm speaking to somebody's heart right now. And Look, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And you're called to change for the better. You're either advancing in your life or you're retreating. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. Let me talk to you about two ways that the enemy is going to try to stop you from being confident. Two ways. Number one, I want you to write this down, simple, fear. Fear is the first and ultimate way he is going to try to stop you. Now, let me just ask you a question. What's fear for, for a believer, for someone who has great aspirations and dreams? I'm talking to a room full of believers. I know I am. A room full of dreamers. A room full of people who have big desires and goals with their life and for their family. What's the number one thing against somebody like that? Is it really going to happen? You ever thought that before? I have big dreams. I have big aspirations. My number one thing is I'm going to step out and try to make it happen and only to find out I couldn't make it happen. It's not, it, it didn't work out the way I, I was hoping. I stepped out. I tried. I, oh, man, we tried to build a church. We tried to launch. We tried to do ministry. We tried to, we tried to grow. the. Church. We tried to reach our city. We tried, we tried, we tried, and only to find out I failed. That's, 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 a, that's the number one fear that he's going to try to put in those in dreamers' minds. It's not going to happen. Not with you. He's going to try to cause fear, fear of failure, but your greatest victory is right on the other side of your greatest fear. And God wants you to help, help you overcome it. The Bible says that he has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to talk to you about how to take care of that in a minute, but let me just tell you about my fear. I'm going to be really real, real with you right now, uh, real transparent. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, uh, the, towards the beginning of our marriage, uh, I, I had a, a nightmare, a reoccurring nightmare. I don't know if you've ever had nightmares before, but I'm going to help define and give you some definition to your dreams. I had a reoccurring nightmare, and I was having this reoccurring nightmare of, of my wife, wonderful Emily, either dying or something violent, horrific, her leaving me choosing somebody else. Every night I would wake up. I, it was so real, I would wake up in tears. 
I would wake up with cold sweats. I would wake up screaming, no, somebody trying to kill Emily. It was so vivid and so real. And it it didn't just happen once. It was happening every night for months. And it was, (laughs) poor Emily. I would wake up and I would, I, I, I'd be like, I, I would find her wherever she was on the bed and I'd just pull her close and I'm like, oh, don't go anywhere. <laughs> and, and for poor her, she, it would take her another hour to go back to sleep. But for me, I'd be like, oh, and I'd be right back to sleep, perfectly fine. Uh, but man, I just needed to show, I, I needed some security. I needed some, I, need, I needed her to be close. It was a fear of mine. It was a real fear. I, I had tremendous, and then finally, I never talked to anybody about it. And then finally, I shared it. And when I shared it with somebody, somebody who cared about me, they said, Landon, why do you think you're having that? I, I don't know. Bad pizza? <laughs> I thought I was just eating something bad. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know why I was having it. And they said, why do you think you're having that? Well, I began to ask that question to myself, and then I began to submit it to the Lord. And, and God started to reveal to me that it's, it's my greatest fear. He started to say, Landon, this is, this is really your fear. You're, you're fearful that you can't protect Emily. You're fearful that you can't provide for her. You're fearful that she's going to leave you because you're not good enough. And I had to come to a, 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 a huge awakening, a realization in my life that I have fear. It's not an emotion. It's a spirit. You think I'm emotionally responding in my sleep? No, no, no. That's why the Bible says it's the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. So you have to address it. I'm going to give you keys right now. I normally talk about how to uh, just cast out the spirit of fear and to backfill, but I want to do that, but I also want to give you some really uh, uh, great components and keys. So I want you to write these down. Number one, these are two questions you need to ask when you're dealing with fear. What is the fear? Number one, what is the fear? Identify it. Number two, why fear? Why am I fearing this? Why why do I feel this way? Why am I so fearful about this or that? Why does my heart hurt? Why why does it it literally cause me to be physically ill? Whatever it is, because I'm I'm talking about real fear. I'm not talking about, you know, we're talking about fear that that, that causes to drive you into a place of insecurity, drive you in a place away from confidence, drive you away from a place of boldness, drive you away into the corner, into the shadow, and into the dark where you can't do anything and you're helpless and the enemy's got you right where he wants you. Because fear will isolate you and fear will destroy you. Fear could have caused me to cause doubt in our relationship. Oh, well, maybe Emily doesn't really love me. Maybe I am going to lose her. Well, if I'm going to make sure that she doesn't lose, get, and do that to me before I do it to her. You see how it can spiral real quick? And a lot of people react that way in their relationships, in their business, in their life because of fear. But you've got to ask, what is the fear? Why is the fear? And then do three simple things. Three simple things. Number one, seek God. Okay, God, let's have a real conversation. You know what the Bible says? Seek, and you will find. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be open. He says in James chapter 1, he says, ask God who gives generously to all those without finding fault. You need wisdom in your life? Ask God. You've got to seek God. Then the second part is surrender. You've got to surrender that fear. You've got to surrender it over to the Lord. When I talk about casting out the spirit of fear, it's as simple as this, just declaring, okay, spirit of fear, I feel you in my home. I feel you in my life. I feel you trying to move me and, and direct me, and I'm not going to allow that to happen. So spirit of fear, I cast you out at the feet of Jesus, and I surrender you to the one who's in true authority. I'm not in charge of you, but I know who is. 
And then you backfill yourself with power, love, and a sound mind. You have to speak that because the Bible says, cast one out and be careful of an empty vessel, lest the legion return. So when you cast out a spirit of fear, you got to fill yourself with power, love, and a sound mind. The power is the authority. Love covers the multitude of sins. And the mind of Christ is how you're supposed to think. you got to have that in your life. you got to be able to speak it is the last one. So seek, surrender, and speak. Speak power. Speak love. Speak that sound mind. Be able to uh, fill yourself. Never cast anything out without filling in return. Never, never destroy something without the intention to build something. We are not destroyers in this earth. We are creators. We are not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors means you're a builder. It means you need a hammer and a nail. It means you need to learn how to build and not destroy. It means you need to not just only speak death over the enemy, but life over each other. And watch the change that takes place. Number two that I want to share with you is this. The other way that the enemy is going to try to really get into your life and hurt you is pride. Everybody say pride. Man, pride is difficult to deal with. Pride is so difficult because if he can't kill you with failure, he's going to kill you with success. You ever find yourself doing really well and you're like, man, I'm doing great. And you start getting kind of confident and then the confidence turns to cockiness. And then people are like, dude, you're a little full of yourself right now. You got to be careful. You got to be able to say, okay, God, you're the one who's in charge, not me. Another story about myself. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but uh, there, the Lord just seems to present wonderful opportunities. So I had uh, this uh, time where uh, we went to Vegas. And we went to Vegas when we were in Bible college. This is before we were dating. We had the, the look going, you know, looking across the room like, hey, hey, you. Couldn't say anything. We couldn't date. She couldn't date. She was in a first year, uh, which is kind of the guidelines for our Bible college. And then I was a third year, so I was on staff. So it was definitely a no-no for me. So I had, we had to keep our distance. But, you know, I still could flex or show off in front of her. So we went to Vegas, and we're going to do this huge uh, services and outreach. The night we, services we do, my buddy says, hey, Landon, last time you broke uh, 12 bricks with your arm. You want to break 15? And I was like, I think I'm going to break my arm. <laughs> and he was like, let's do it. Let's just see if you can. See what happens. And so uh, 15 bricks, if you haven't seen me break them, I, broke, I finally got my break. But I, I, they're about this tall from the floor to here. So I have to jump all the way th up to the ceiling, come down on this. And it is a tough break. So these 15 breaks. So I, and I'm skinny. Back then, I'm, I'm 50 pounds lighter, lighter. So I definitely, these could definitely break me. And so he was like, there's about 1,000 people here. He's like, come on, who wants to see a skinny white guy bleed? Come on, who's that? And they were, yeah. So they're all cheering. Well, I come up and boom, and just smash these bricks. And my arm goes all the way through it. And, and I get stuck. And the last brick doesn't break. And I'm like, oh, no. Because all the bricks are around my arm. And the only way to make this happen is me to pull my arm right out of all these bricks that are surrounding my arm. Just and it just scraped all the skin right off. I mean, just like, whoo, I'm like, oh, I run out. I, 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 he pushes the bricks off later. And he breaks the last brick. My buddy does, takes the glory. And I run off the stage and go get medical attention. 
uh, because I was just skinned. I was trying to impress people because even then later, I, I was still flexing. Like, I broke 15. How many? Nobody in our class has broken 15. So then I tried to do a head break. I'm like, yeah, I'll do a head break. I ended up, uh, this is the next day. My arm is wrapped. I'm like, I got the head break. I got this. And I'm like, I'm literally trying to impress. This is the whole point. And so I go to do the head break. During the practice, I go to close. And so you got to get like really right centered. If you come back too far, you're going to scalp yourself. <laughs> if you go too far forward, you're going to hit your nose and knock yourself out. So the first practice, I went to close and I broke one brick out of six and then like kind of stumbled and had a little cut right here. I'm like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I figured it out. I'll, I'll be ready by the time. So now we have an outreach of 500 people. And I'm like, you watching? And so then I get up there. I have all these bricks. And I'm like, let's do this. And so I went up there. And I, one, two, three, boom. And I, I hit myself right here, knocked myself out completely. I collapsed, like, behind the bricks. Luckily, my dean who's there is like 6'5". He's a huge Samoan guy. He literally catches me as I'm about to fall into the bricks, picks me up. I'm just like this. <laughs> and he's like, he lays me down right here. And he's like, he goes, sometimes in life you need friends to help you. Smash. And he breaks these bricks. And he's like, and he just, he finishes the whole thing. He does a message. He does an altar call. I'm still laid out right there. After he prays for everybody, he wakes me up and tells me what happened. Uh, but I'm telling you, pride will destroy you. <laughs> Arrogance will kill you. Uh, uh, trying to be foolish. It's better to, to be humble, lest life give you many hard knocks. You got a lot of scars, a lot of bumps, a lot of bruises, a lot of things to say, oh man, I, I wish I hadn't. You don't want that in your marriage. You don't want that for your kids. You need to turn those what-if regrets into what-if possibilities by being humble. I want to show you two, two different ways on how to rebuke pride and how to stay away from pride. And that's number one, uh, be humble. And let me just share this with you. It's not a title given, but a lifestyle to live in. It's not a title to given, it, but it's a lifestyle to live in. When I wrote this down, I was like, oh, my God, that's good. And I, I turned to my wife, and I'm like, "Hun, listen to this quote. And I was like, I shared it with her, and I'm bragging about a humility quote. <laughs> and in mid-sentence, I was like, okay, Lord, I apologize. I was like, this isn't me. It was you. <laughs> I'm pride can, can sneak in quick. And pride... Just as equal as any other sin, but let me tell you, God's going to deal faster with pride than he will anything else. <laughs> Lucifer fell like lightning because the Lord saw the intention of his heart. Nebuchadnezzar fell from a king and a ruler of one of the greatest empires, fell like that. And the Bible says he was, went from king to eating in the field like a beast growing talons and fur. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. How, how do you fight pride? Be humble. Again, it's not a title. The moment you crown yourself as the most humble person, <laughs> you need to start over. It's a lifestyle to live in. It's a lifestyle to live. It, it's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that happens in a season. 
It's something that you do for the rest of your life. You need to surrender. And it's either be humbled or humble yourself. Nebuchadnezzar and Saul and, uh, Saul and Pharaoh all had to be humbled. But we saw David humble himself before Nathan. We saw Peter humble himself. We saw Paul hum humble himself. We saw the woman wash Jesus' feet and humble herself. We saw Jesus become the greatest example of humility. And I'd rather humble myself than be humbled by God. And let me just give you something, a food for thought. Neither one of them is easy. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to humble myself because it's easier. Let me tell you, both are difficult. Both are difficult. One just causes less destruction. Be being humbled by God, is gonna, you're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the resistance. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He says, okay, I'm going to take care of you. The, the difference between the two is that this one's a lot less painful. This one comes with a lot less hard knocks. Being Choosing to be humble rather than being humbled is a, a, a much nicer path. Both are difficult. Humbling yourself isn't easy. Humbling yourself takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of boldness to say, okay, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Last thing I want to share with you tonight is this, and Josh, you can come join me, uh, is the next way to battle against pride is meekness. I want you to say meekness. Never mistake meekness for weakness. The definition of meekness in the Bible is strength in submission. Strength in submission. And we're going to end with a worship song tonight, and so don't be distracted by them. But I want, I want you to hear me, because this is a huge part. Strength submitted is where you're really refined and defined in your strength. See, the world will teach you, right? The world will teach you your confidence and your boldness comes from your strength. Right. Ah, I, look how strong I am. Look how good I am. Look how talented I am. But what God teaches is the opposite. Your boldness and your confidence, does, it comes through your weakness. When you're weak, he is strong. Yeah. Stop trying to be strong in front of God Almighty. How many have ever tried to flex in front of God? I feel like a lot of people try to do that all the time. Well, God, I'm doing so good. Do you know how good I'm doing? Do you know how good everything's going? I'm in complete control. And God's like, whoa, tone it down there, buddy. You're not doing very good. And I could show you a lot of ways if you just humble yourself and let me show you. Did you know that uh, the Lord gives sight to the humble? A lot of people can't see what they need to fix because they... They haven't humbled themselves. Romans chapter 7 says, how do I know what to fix if I don't know what to fix? I do not know what I do not know. He keeps on going over this. And he talks about how he doesn't know any. But thanks be to Christ Lord, our Savior, who can deliver us from things we know and don't know. And reveal the things we need to work on. But we need to humble ourselves and say, I'm not very strong. I I'm, not that, I'm not perfect. I'm not in control. Because true strength is revealed, not demonstrated. True strength is revealed, not demonstrated. Not demonstrated, not, not, not posed. Right? Not putting a spotlight. Your strength is going to be revealed in due time and due season. And it's going to come from God. Just like David said, I don't come against you with a spear or a sword. 
I come against you in the name of the Lord. That's why he says it's by, in Ephesians, he says it's by his spirit, by his might. Let's rest in his might. Let's rest in his power. It's his power. It's his strength. And he's going to raise us up with wings of eagles when we decide it's not by me, it's by him. I'm going to have more confidence and more boldness, not because of how good I am, but because of how great he is. I'm going to be able to step out of here today, walk out of this building, go into my life, go into my job, go into everything that you've got going on, and square your shoulders back, keep your chin up, and hold your head high, knowing that you are a child of the Most High God, and he is with you. And if he be with you, who can be against you? But the key there, the key there is this, if God be for us, some of us need to get out of in front of God and God's trying to attack and take care of the enemy and you're in swinging distance. And sometimes you keep getting hit and God's like, well, if you just move. We want God to fight our battles, but we want to be in front of God. We want to be ahead of, we want to be two steps ahead. We want to be, we're, we're trying to run, we're trying to go, we're trying to do, and we think we know better, and we think we've got it all figured and mapped out and planned out, and God's saying, look, dude, if I be for you, if I come before you, no one can stand against you. Why? Because I'm in the middle. But some of us have been trying to fight battles with God behind us, the enemy in front of us and us in the middle getting slapped by God to say, come on, dude, get behind me. Slapped by the enemy saying, you ain't going to win. And we just keep living this life of just keep getting like a bobblehead, keep getting hit. And we're wondering why we're still struggling. It's because we, we have, we're out of position. We're out of place. I, I have to go into this. I have to go a little bit further. Is that okay? This is what happened. When Elijah called down fire from heaven, when he called down fire from heaven, I've never done that. Have you ever done that? He called fire down from heaven. I've been to where he calls it down. There's a massive statue of Elisha, and where he call, they, they have this huge top. They said there's so much volcanic uh, ash and cinders and all this stuff up here. It doesn't come, there's no way this could have been a volcano. Whatever happened up here was not natural. It does not come from this territory. It's, it's undefined. It, they, can't, they, they can't define how it happened other than it was God. Yeah. So before he calls fire down, you know what he does? He says, hey, how long are you going to stand between God and the enemy? Because all of you nation, the nation of Israel had chosen these other gods and they, they had come before, they got in between God, they got in front of God and they weren't worshiping to God, they weren't giving their life to God, they weren't surrendering to God, they weren't submitting their strength to God and what Elijah said is how long are you going to falter between two opinions? You keep listening to the world and you keep listening to God and you keep getting slapped by both and God's waiting for you to get behind him so he can lead you. And the moment that all of these people came to the right side and started following God, submitted themselves, submitted their strength, became meek before the Lord, that's when he says, okay, now it's time. Call down fire from heaven. The greatest miracles ahead of you are going to come from a fresh surrender in front of you. You have to start saying, okay, God, I, 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 I've got to surrender. I've got to stop trying to do this with my own might. With my own will. I, I figured it out. Somebody, the light bulb is clicking for you right now. I've been trying to do this. You're talking to me. And you're going to start getting out in, in the right position. Because it's all about positioning. You talk about a football player, right? You have a line of defensive players, a line of offensive players. And you get a player. And you put him on the field. He's in the right place. But you turn that player away from the person he's supposed to be going after. And if that whistle blows, what's going to happen to this guy? He's getting knocked out. 
He's getting run over. At the very least, he's going to get ignored because he's of no use to the battlefield. Enemies got him distracted. So now we've got to not only get in the right place. You're in the right place tonight. But this is what I'm talking to you about. God's got to get you in the right position. And when God gets you in position to say, okay, now it's time to keep heading towards Jericho. Now it's time to keep heading towards that promised land. Now it's time to keep heading towards the destiny I have for you. Now it's time to keep moving towards all the blessing I've spoken over you that you've been waiting for me to pour out over your life. Now it's time to get ready. But God, we got to get in position. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's get in the right position. We got to get there. We got to just get in the right place and get in the right position because God is saying, look, the meek, Matthew 5, 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. Who wants to be in charge? Who wants to be able to say, okay, God, the kingdom is ruling, not the enemy, not everybody else. We're going to inherit this. We're going to take over, and we're going to watch your name be glorified. I want to pray with you tonight. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is where we're, we're going to walk out of here with courageous confidence, free of fear, free of pride, ready to step up and step out, ready to follow his mighty power, ready to humble ourselves, ready to walk in meekness and watch the bold, watch the courageous, watch the meek inherit the earth and be the confident believer you were made to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message spoke to you, before we sing, before we do anything, if this message spoke to you, here and online, if this message spoke to you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Hands all over this place. Come on, keep them up, keep them up. This is part of your boldness walk. This is part of your courageous walk. This is part of being, stepping up like never before. It's time. If you can keep your hand raised, you're going to be able to do a whole lot more when you step out of here. Keep that hand raised. I want to pray for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, come on, I want you to begin to pray for yourself too. Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I thank you so much, God, Lord, that you are moving in every life, every hand that's raised, every heart that's open. God, we're not going to walk out of here feeling like the victim anymore. We're going to be the victor. We're not going to walk out of here feeling like we don't have any authority or power anymore. God, we're in the right place. We're in the right position. God, we're humble before you. We're submitted to you, God. And Lord, we're going to walk in boldness and confidence and courage like never before. Somebody is going to wake up tomorrow morning feeling stronger, feeling healthier, feeling more vibrant, feeling uh, uh, more fruitful in your life than you ever have before because God is saying, okay, now if I'm before you, who can really be against you? You've allowed me to go before you. You've allowed me to get in the right position in your life. And now the courage and the strength that I declared over you, you can walk in. You can then inherit. You can then move in. You can then be who I've called you to be. You can take the promised land that I've prepared for you. You can take hold of the dreams that I've spoken to you. Somebody in here who has a dream and aspirations and desires in your life, just begin to worship. Just begin to thank God. Just begin to say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I magnify you. Jesus, you're number one in my life. Jesus, you're the Lord and Savior of my life. You're the master of my life. You're my strong tower. You're where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. And Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you. Let a passion arise deep from within us. God, Lord, to step up like never before. In Jesus' name.